Let's go straight into the movie, Bill. I know transition will take you just a second. Your Bible's open to John chapter 10, if you have your Bibles. Uh, we're going to be looking at the Good Shepherd portion, John chapter 10. And uh, we'll be listening to what uh, the movie has to say, uh, John chapter 10 and following. Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Tell me who he is, sir, so that I can believe in him. You have already seen him. And he is the one who is talking with you now. I believe, Lord. And he knelt down before Jesus. I came to this world to judge, so that the blind should see and those who see should become blind. Some Pharisees who were there with him heard him say this and asked him, Surely you don't mean that we are blind too. If you were blind, then you would not be guilty. But since you claim that you can see, this means that you are still guilty. I am telling you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who goes in through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep hear his voice as he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought them out, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow someone else. Instead, they will run away from such a person, because they do not know his voice. Jesus told them this parable, but they did not understand what he meant. So Jesus said again, I am telling you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All others who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Those who come in by me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come in order that you might have life. Life in all its fullness. I am the good shepherd who is willing to die for the sheep. When the hired man, who is not a shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and runs away. So the wolf snatches the sheep and scatters them. The hired man runs away because he is only a hired man and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. As the father knows me and I know the father, in the same way I know my sheep and they know me. And I am willing to die for them. There are other sheep which belong to me that are not in this sheep pen. I must bring them too. They will listen to my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I am willing to give up my life in order that I may receive it back again. No one takes my life away from me. 
I give it up of my own free will. I have the right to give it up. And I have the right to take it back. This is what my father has commanded me to do. Again there was division among the people because of these words. He has a demon! He's crazy! Why do you listen to him? A man with a demon could not talk like this. How could a demon give sight to blind people? It was winter and the festival of the dedication of the temple was being celebrated in Jerusalem. Jesus was walking in Solomon's porch in the temple when the people gathered round him. How long are you going to keep us in suspense? Tell us the plain truth. Are you the Messiah? I have already told you, but you would not believe me. The deeds I do by my father's authority speak on my behalf. you will not believe, for you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never die. No one can snatch them away from me. What my Father has given me is greater than everything. And no one can snatch them away from the Father's care. The Father and I are one. And the people again picked up stones to throw at him. That's interesting, isn't it? You'll bring the house lights up for me, Bill. Number one, please. Your Bible's open there to John chapter 10. And I'm going to repeat just a little bit. I'm at John chapter 10, verse 13. Your Bible's open to John chapter 10. You know, it's interesting, before I read here, I, I just have to mention about the passage that Robbie read. Folks, God's Word is just living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, Hebrews 4.12. When, when Robbie was reading that, of course, I wanted to say, you know, what must I do to be saved is what the Philippian jailer asked. Believe, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. Have you done that? Think about that. It's the only answer there is. You must repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But how, how do you know you when you study that quickly? I, I just want to make this comment because uh, God's Word is just so powerful. Did you notice what happened after He was saved and immersed? And it says His family. But it's not saying they were baptized because He was. They were baptized because they got saved, Right? Household salvation. They, they had to believe just like he did. But do you remember what he did after all that? After he got saved? What did he do? He brought Paul and Silas to his house. Took care of their wounds. Which some of them he may have caused. And he hosted them. He took care of them. Let me tell you, that's conversion. That's one of the great parts of salvation. Yes, you're, you're eternally secure. We'll look at that. But you're changed, right? You're changed when you're born again. That's what that means. You're changed. Yes, you have eternal security, but God changes your very soul. Your Bible's open to John chapter 10. Uh, I'm at verse 13. You'll remember this in the scene. It says, He flees because He is a hired hand and He cares nothing for the sheep. 
I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Then he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Which for us, as we look at that, we're thinking, you know, he's talking to the Jews. And uh, obviously he's near, he's in Jerusalem somewhere. And, and, uh, and so he's talking about us, uh, Gentiles. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I, this is driving the scribes and Pharisees absolutely crazy. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Verse, again, verse 23. At that time, the Feast of Dedication, that, that's Hanukkah. Okay? That's, that comes in about another month uh, in November, December. At that time, the Feast of Dedication or Hanukkah, uh, which is interesting because that's not an Old Testament feast. That feast was instituted after like 134 B.C., because of a what's called the Maccabean revolt, you know, just know it's interesting that Jesus makes these statements during the feast of Hanukkah, or then it was called the feast of dedication. What the word Hanukkah means, dedication. So at the time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. Now think, this is November, December. So what's going to happen in four months? He's going to be dead, right? John deals heavily with the last week of Christ, last year. Jesus' life. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. Are you looking at your Bibles? This is incredible. And I give them eternal life. I give them. Gifted. He gives eternal life. And says they will never perish. In no one... Now, if you were here Wednesday night, you know the answer to a question I'm fixing to ask. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch. What's another word for snatch? Rapture. Rapture. It, that's Latin, rapture. Greek is harpazo. Latin is rapture. So, so it tells you... I'm not talking about prophecy today, but I want you to think about it. It tells you how dynamic the rapture will be. 
Now we can argue about when is there going to be a rapture. You know, people argue whether it's going to be before the tribulation. It's going to be in the middle of the tribulation, in the tribulation. But there's one thing we know for sure. Of course, I know for sure it's going to happen before the tribulation. But we know there's going to be a rapture. And it's going to be a very dramatic event. That word snatch. So just like a thief or a wolf would snatch a wolf and would snatch a lamb out of the sheepfold. That's the idea. But he says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Then he doubles down. My Father who has given them to me. Okay? He gave Christ all the sheep that's ever been saved. The Father gave them to the Son as a gift. He's greater than all. And no one can, what? Snatch or rapture them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And then you see, verse 31, the response to Christ coming as the Good Shepherd. They took up stones and wanted to to stone the Lord Jesus Christ. How is it, in your, in your bulletin, you'll, you'll notice there, it says eternal security. I, because I, I said we were going to be in the Gospel of John for a few more weeks, I, I wanted to talk about eternal security. And there's no better place than to look at what Jesus is saying about the sheep and holding the sheep in the fold. The moment you got saved, if you're looking at, looking at it from the perspective of a shepherd, Christ the shepherd, He puts you in an eternal fold. You know, you saw the movie and it's a great reenactment of it seems how they would do it in Bible days. They would put the sheep in, in a, usually a half wall and then there would be a gate, right? And so... Usually the shepherd would would lay at the gate. Now sometimes it would have an enclosure. Sometimes there wouldn't be an enclosure. But he would lay across the gate area. And so he was the door to the sheep. And nobody could come again and out unless it came through him. And that's a picture of salvation. So again, and I say this all the time, if you're here today and you're trusting anything other than the substitutionary death of Christ, there's no hope. Hope is only in Christ. He's the door of the sheep. And so what Jesus was saying was nobody is going to come spiritual now. Nobody's going to come into the eternal fold of God and snatch one of the ones He's saved out of His hand. Then He says, My Father is greater than I, and He sent me, and no one's going to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So, last time I'll say it, I want you to know that The rapture is a real, literal, powerful event that's going to be a witness to the lost world that the age of grace has come to an end. And it's going to be a dynamic event. But from an eternal security standpoint, Christ has said, if He has saved you and brought you into the sheepfold, there's absolutely no way you'll lose your salvation. Now, that's only because he's the. It's only true if you know him as as your shepherd. Now, by the way, the earlier part of John ten. You, you know, I'm planning to go back to Israel next year, and 
if there's not another physical crisis in our lives. But um, when you go to Israel, even to this day, you will see a lot of shepherds. And you will see lambs and goats and sheep. And the last time I was over there, we're riding down, we're, right, we're near, it's called En Gedi, near the Dead Sea. And in Gedi, this is where David hid from Saul. And there's a tropical oasis up in the middle of the desert that spring fresh water, and that's where they would go to a lot, take their sheep to and all that. We're riding down the highway. Yes, there's a highway in Israel. It's weird. And then you're looking, and there's a shepherd. And there, it's, it's in an... Now, y'all have heard me talk about this. It's a hill. It's elevated a little bit. It has a grade. I don't know what the grade is. 20% grade. But they're walking almost sideways. But the shepherd is walking in the front, and there's a sheepdog in the back. And, and they're lined up because there's a little path they're walking on. And almost single file, they're following the shepherd. Folks, all of us that have been saved follow the shepherd. Now, there's three things we know why we follow the shepherd. Now, this isn't eternal security, but we know this is why we follow him. If you read John 10, if you know your Bible, we follow him because of his word. Okay? They. He says, a stranger's voice, they will not follow. So, what he's talking about is, for us, is when we hear things that are contrary to this Word, will we follow the Word of the shepherd or will we follow the Word of the world? We will follow the Word of the shepherd. So, he says, the voice... The voice of strangers they won't follow. And, and it's true. You heard, and even the you can read this for yourself. It's great. A lot of your Bible dictionaries will tell these stories. You can dress like a shepherd. You can look like the shepherd. Whatever he would wear, you can copy it. You can take his staff, take his rod, whatever he wears, put the turban on, do it all. And you can go to the gate and you can call the sheep and walk away. And they will not follow you. Because you're not, they know his voice. So you know his voice. So here's what we know. It's a whole nother sermon. We we follow him by his word, right? We follow him because of his work. Because when we follow him, where does he 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 leads us by the still waters? He restores our soul. Right? We we trust him. So we follow him by his word and his work. And we follow him because of his wisdom. Those are the reasons why sheep love their shepherd. But that's not the message this morning. The message is eternal security. And let me give you three simple truths. We've got 13 minutes. Let me give you... I like having that countdown clock. That's good. Let me give you three simple... Number one, how do you know you're saved? How do you know that you know that you know that you are secure in salvation? Number one, is you've been redeemed... And regenerated. Now listen to the phrase. You've been redeemed and regenerated through the immortal word. What I'm saying, Jesus is the word become flesh. So he's eternal. So you've been regenerated, right? And redeemed by the eternal word. 
Or, I mean, to put it simpler, you've been saved by an eternal Savior. But you've been, when you talk about redeemed, buy, buy back, buy out, purchased, He purchased you. The word propitiation comes to bear. Uh, John, uh, Romans 5, 8, He is our propitiation. It means that He, he bore the punishment and the payment. Uh, he bore the judgment for sin. And so we're redeemed. He bought us out. Uh, Preachers used to say, He bought us out of the slave market of sin. He redeemed you. This is how you know that you cannot lose your... Because He redeemed you by the blood of the Lamb. Now can I ask you something? Is God, is the blood of the Son effective? I mean, again now, I'm tread is the blood of the Son, when the, when the Father applies the blood, does it work? What's the answer? Yes, it does. It redeems. It redeems. It's the purchase price for your sin. So how do, how do we know that we know that we know? Well, we know because we've been redeemed. But now the other side of the coin, we don't talk about all the time with that redemption comes regeneration. It all happens instantaneously. But as we talked in Sunday school, just as you're a descendant of the first Adam, every human being, it comes from Adam. Even Eve came from Adam. Came from his side. We're all descendants of the first Adam. We're sinners. We inherit a sin nature. We have So by nature... We're, we're enemies of God. The uh, book of James tells us that. Uh, Ephesians 2 tells us that, that. That by nature, we're just enemies. But we've been born again. It's a simple plan. You have to understand Genesis to know it, really. I mean, to grasp it. The first Adam, those of you who in the class know, heard, heard I said it then. First Adam, you're a sinner. There's a second Adam, or called the last Adam. You're born through Him. You're born again. So, if you're born once, you're going to die in your sin. If you're born twice, you live forever. You with me? So, but in that in that transaction, you're made new. Okay. So, God's now think about Jesus is the eternal Word. He's telling you in the Bible that you're redeemed. The Word. You are redeemed and you are regenerated. So how do we know that we know that we know that we, nobody can pluck us out of God's hand? And it's because God has redeemed us and regenerated us. Take your Bibles and, and uh, go to Romans real quick. Romans, uh, just listen to some of these verses. This would almost be what we would call the Roman road of salvation. But go to Romans chapter 3. Some of these would be in the Roman road. And I hope that those of you that like to witness and use Scripture out of the Bible, some people use a track, you know, and that's okay. We have tracks in our, our free tracks, plenty of free stuff out there in our racks, and we want you to use those. Uh, get all you want. Uh, verse 21, Romans 3.21. Now think about it. It says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. The Old Testament was under law. 
The New Testament is under grace. So there's a new righteousness. Okay? Look what it says. It says, A new righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So, in redemption and in regeneration, when you and I believe, we inherit His righteousness. In the Old Covenant, it was the law. Commandments and the Mosaic law. Moral laws. But in the New Covenant, when we believe in redemption and regeneration, His righteousness is given to us when we believe. So number one, one reason why we know we're double spiritually, we can't be raptured out of heaven, so to speak. Double, double eternal security, if we want to say. Number one is because we've been, we've been redeemed and regenerated. Number two is that we've been united in faith. Now think about it. To the incarnate Christ. Now that Christ became a man, right? I like that. Shook your head. I saw you shake your head. You, so when you got saved, so we know we're regenerated and redeemed. When you came by faith, you were united with Christ, right? You were united, when you believe you were united to Him. He's the incarnate Word. But you were united to Him. And This is where the, the Bible says, uh, Jesus began it. This is Acts 1. But somebody's finishing His work. We, we became part of the body of Christ. Folks, this it, it, it's spiritual. But also it's literal. You're, you, you here liter- in, in a church being saved. I mean, I'm talking to people that are saved. You being in a church is a picture of you being a part of the eternal body. But you have been united with His body. So you, by faith, you were united to the incarnate eternal Word. So you're His body. You, now, so that, Jesus is alive. You're alive in Him. And, and folks, that doesn't even end at death. That's what eternal life is. When you die, you, you don't die. Your body ends, but you don't die. So we know it's true. We know it's true. Because number one, we're redeemed and regenerated. Number two, we know it's true because we're united by faith to the eternal work, to the incarnate living God, Christ. And we've been... And there's all kinds of things. We've been united. We've been grafted in all these words to describe this union. So that's the second one. So number one is R, redeemed and regenerated. Two is a U, R-U. R-U is for being united. You're His body. The third point is an N. By the way, it spells run. (laughs) Is nurtured by the implanted word. Now listen to me. So, are redeemed. How do you know that you're saved? How do you know? Well, you've been redeemed and regenerated. You've been united to the body, so to speak, in the body of Christ. I mean, if you're, the, if you're part of the body, you're part of the body. You know, it does say, will the head say to an eye, I don't need you? 
willing to isolate or not. You can't do that because it's His body. So, so you're redeemed, you're united, but number three, in, you are nurtured by the implanted Word. So what I'm saying is when you got saved, God put His Spirit inside of you, and along with that Spirit, He implants His Word in your soul. Now, let me show you how we know that. Go to the book of James. Okay, and we'll finish with this. Go to James. Uh, if you go to Peter, you're too far. If you go to Hebrews, take another, take another right. James, uh, James chapter 1, and we'll finish with this. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Now think, now how do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? And that nothing can pluck you out of God's hand. Redeemed, regenerated, united to the body. And number three, you know it because you're being nurtured by the living Word of God. Look, look, at, look at verse 21. Uh, James 1.21 Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word. Engrafted. Implanted. Which is able to save your souls. Isn't that awesome? Verse 22. But be doers of the Word. Here's the challenge for those of us that are saved and know we're saved. But be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. Now that we're saved, this eternal Word, this living Word, Christ, the Word, has been planted in our souls. But now as believers, we have this battle. We, we hear God's Word, but we don't do God's Word. But His will for those of us that are saved is to be, literally it says, to be word doers. That that implanted word drives your soul. Your life is centered on God's word. That's it. So how do we know, if you're here today, how do you know that you're saved? How do you know for sure that you're not going to be plucked out of the Father's hand or Christ? You've been saved. And this is how you know. Redeemed, regenerated, united to the body, and the Word of God lives in your soul. It's been implanted by the Holy Spirit. It's alive inside of you. And that's how you want to live. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and our hearts are open unto the Lord. Folks, this morning in in just a second, we're going to stand and sing part of the hymn, I've decided to follow Jesus. But listen, our heads are bowed and her eyes are closed. And before we do that, folks, you've sung about Him. Beautiful singing today. We've read Scripture. We've even watched it dramatized. Either you're here today. Here's what it boils down to. Either you know Jesus Christ and you've been regenerated, made new on the inside, forgiven, transformed, or you're not. Either you know Him and He's the Good Shepherd and you're following Him or you're not.
Now, if you're here today and you've never been, as the Philippian jailer, believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and have been born from above, today could be the day you get saved. The Bible says you must believe who Christ is. You must repent of who you are and where you're headed. You must hate yourself and you must surrender everything to the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. So if you're here today and and that's where you are, in a minute, we're all going to stand and sing. But I'm praying that rather than singing, you're going to make your way to the front and you're going to tell me, Brother Bryce, I need to be saved. Why don't you do that today? The other part of this invitation is for those of us that do believe. Do we represent Christ's likeness to a dark and sick world? Are we living the Word or just hearing about it? Are we Do we straddle the fence? Are we lukewarm? What kind of believer are you? What kind of witness are you, good or bad? Can we call you to the witness stand to convince the world that Jesus really is alive? Maybe today is a Christian decision for you. That might mean rededication. It might mean coming and joining a local church. I don't know what it is. But you know what it is. Father, we pray that You'll do a work in us now. Lord, save somebody. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together. I have decided to follow Jesus. The words are on the screen. You know it well, so you'll sing it. If you need to come, you come right now. tonight uh, study at six in the fellowship hall oh lord we thank you for the word god it's alive and lord things that all of us have heard dozens and dozens of times lord it jumps off that page and it absolutely cuts both ways we see not only the power of salvation, but we see the responsibility for those of us that are the saved of Jesus Christ. Father, my prayer earnestly 
is that for those who might be here that are religious, that know Bible stuff, but don't have a relationship with you, have never been saved, never been born again, I pray that your Holy Spirit and your Word will make them miserable and that you'll bring them to repentance. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Lord, we, we make a mess of the Christian life many times and we're so grateful for, for forgiveness. Now dismiss us with your grace and where we go and what we do, may, may, may it be glorifying to you. In Jesus' name, amen.